Yowzers. We made it. I'm Drew here with my sister, Ashley, and best friend, Derek. And we just got back from August 10th, 1984. The past. Ashley, what were we doing there? Well, each week we travel back in time to the best year ever to watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe pop into our favorite childhood amusement park. Oh, yeah. Before we get to that, here's a clip. Calumet, Colorado, population 8,200. Before the sun sets, foreign soldiers will march victorious through the streets. Eight high school students will take to the mountains, fight for freedom, and become a symbol to unite America. Not bad for a bunch of kids. Wolverines! Red Dawn, (laughs) rated PG-13. Starts Friday, August 10th. Check newspapers for a selected theater near you. So that was Red Dawn, rated PG-13. That's right, PG-13. Finally. We did it. Um, We made it all the way to the dawn of the PG-13 era. The yeah, red dawn. first one, the red dawn. Of the, um, so the tagline is, in our time, no foreign army has occupied American soil until now. Dun, dun, dun. So that comes across on the poster, which weirdly kind of shows the Rocky Mountains in the background, which is not weird once you've seen the movie, because that's where it's set. But if you're thinking of foreign invaders picking a spot in the country to land uh, by paratrooper. You wouldn't necessarily think in the interior <laughs> of the country like that. You would think about the coasts, but nonetheless, um, it's a, it's a beautiful poster and uh, captures the invasion, which is where the movie picks up. Speaking of paratroopers, uh, before we get into the movie, we need to talk about our little detour to Bush gardens. Um, We gave Ashley the executive power to choose one activity that she loved to do as a teen, as a PG-13 teen, and uh, that's what she chose. Why did you choose Busch Gardens, Ashley? Because I love roller coasters. So, yes, we traveled to Williamsburg, Virginia, um, close to where we're from, and went on all the roller coasters I could handle until I threw up. So that was fun. Yeah, um, messy. But I mean, you would think from all the intergalactic travel we're doing, you're you could handle a few roller coasters. But it's well, I also wasn't. I mean, I also wasn't used to drinking beers and then going on roller coasters. So well, right. So we went. um, We're going to be talking throughout the episode about kind of our childhood memories when we were thirteen, what we were watching, what we were doing, and what was interesting is we went back to the park that we went to frequently in our, in our teens as one, as adults. Um, and two, we went there in 1984, of course. So what was different about it in 1984, Ashley? It was much cheaper <laughs> as <Yeah>. expected. <laughs> I think we should time travel to amusement parks all the time. Save a I lot mean, of money. Yeah. It's a little risky and a little, you know, frivolous when we're trying to respect the the rules of, of time travel, but I don't think it just- could be. I mean, if we're just time traveling to go see movies, why not just add in a couple of roller coasters too? Seems seems reasonable. We'll we'll think about it. Um, okay. I'm sure there's always a theater. If you have amusement parks, you would probably have a cinema nearby. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, let's let's get into this movie. Um, Ashley, can you sum it up in 15 seconds? I guess. All right, ready? Go. Beginning of World War Three, Russian and Cuban soldiers parachute in a town. 
shoot up a high school, a group of those kids take to the mountains to escape and decide to counterattack to save the world and the country. That's it. Oh, wow. 13 seconds. That soundbite kind of just sums it up. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much the movie. <laughs> um, I mean, there are definitely some lulls in the action. What's novel about this war movie? One, it's that, you know, kind of in a um, uh, alternate timeline or future time. It's not really futuristic. It's just an alternate timeline where um, World War Three has begun. And was there like no buildup to this conflict like is this the first place they invaded i mean it's like the nobody seems to be prepared for it yeah so the very beginning of the movie all these kids are in high school and they're just learning i don't about then what's an invasion of what were they what was it what was well their, that's right time? they do they do set it up in a very awkward way with just like a series of four or five title cards i meant to go back and watch that so well, as an audience we know the build up to this point in the conflict but like the kids seem and, and adults seem pretty blindsided by it. Yeah. And I think he's giving like the teachers like talking about maybe it was Genghis Khan. I don't remember. Um, and then all of a sudden the paratroopers just start coming in and they're like, wait, what are they doing here? And they have no idea. So maybe that's yeah. the first, very first attack of World War Three, yeah, which seems which is, weird, but yeah, know. well, Why obviously it was happening. Right. Why would they choose start Colorado? And obviously stuff was happening uh, throughout the world. I mean, this couldn't have been the first, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> the that'd first be part. I mean, because Russia has already teamed up with Cuba. Um, mm -hmm. At some point, the U.S. becomes allies with China. Um, they like 400 million people, uh, Chinese people, have died at this at some point in the movie. So, yeah, it. I guess it makes sense. It's kind of maybe the interesting. The reason it's set in Colorado is because the characters that are depicted in the movie could be blindsided by it. Like they thought they were insulated from this conflict, sort of a, a commentary on us being comfortable in our bubbles until our bubbles get, you know, invaded by <laughs> paratroopers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so good summary, Ashley, uh, going into this movie, what was your backstory with it or with more movies? Sure. So no backstory at all with this movie. Never heard of it. Um, but war movies, not so much as a kid, but when I was a little bit older, I worked at a timeshare resort as an activities mm. assistant. Me too. And yeah, you worked there as well as like a pool boy that got paid to like tan, which is annoying. <laughs> hot, do hot dogs in pool, in the pool. Yeah. That's all you did. Um, and so as an activities assistant, sometimes I like hand out movies for people staying at the timeshare. And this one guy walked in and was like, Hey, do you have any like war movies? And I was just like listing them off. Uh -huh. And one of them was Jarhead. And he's like, that's not a movie and like went off on me. And I was just like, I don't, I'm sorry. I was just recommending like war themed movies. He's like, that's inaccurate. And just like went on this whole thing. Yeah. He's like yelled at me in front of everyone. And I was just like this 18 year old, like, I don't know. It's a war. I don't know. And it was terrible. So that's my tie to <laughs> war movies. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously that guy was an asshole and, and not everyone that likes <laughs> war movies <laughs> is, is, um, a militant has a militant personality, right. but, um, that is interesting that these type of movies obviously skew male. Um, there's been a lot of discussion in modern day lately about dad movies, uh, like the new Tom Hanks uh, naval movie that came out. Like war movies are a classic example of dad movies. And you actually got to watch it. Uh, well, we brought our dad along to the theater. So mm -hmm. um, what was his impression? 
He still, th- well, he thought it was fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, <laughs> he seemed to, he seemed to like it more than I did, but I still don't think he liked it a lot. Yeah. So. I mean, he's not a professional movie critic, but even um, someone who's passionate <laughs> about movies could pretty much sum it up that way. Although we're going to do our best to go over the highlights and the fun moments and, you know, give it a fair and balanced treatment. Uh, Mm -hmm. Derek, this was a movie that your dad was familiar with as well, right? Yeah, it is. It's a very dad movie, apparently. Uh, (laughs) When I told my dad about our podcast for the first time, he had mentioned that this came out in 84 and was curious if we were going to watch it. Like it's, it's so in, one of the interesting things about this podcast, I mean, there are so many, um, including that it's the year I was born. Uh, but one of the other interesting things is when you bring it up to people, the movie that symbolizes 1984 for them probably tells you a lot about like their background or just their, what type of movies they're, they're into. So, um, it's cool that that was the first one he thought of, I know I mentioned a few weeks ago that, uh, somebody I work with last starfighter was the one that came to mind for them. Uh, I don't know that we've ever answered that question for ourselves, but we're kind of too far in the weeds now to, mm-hmm. to maybe look at it objectively. I probably would have said gremlins. Um, and I probably so. would have said 16 candles. So, yeah. So there you go. Um, all we're all over the map there as well. Um, Ashley and I share a dad. Uh, so we had um, similar ex- backstories being that we didn't have one. Um, he did not mention this movie or show the, us this movie. Uh, even though he is into war movies, it seemed like mm-hmm. we focused as a family on uh, action movies. Steven Seagal, John Claude Van, Van Damme. Yeah, those type of movies. Um, even stuff like Speed and, and things like that were much mm-hmm. more um our family movie night type affair so i honestly like i had heard of this movie because of the remake i think but man this was way off my off my radar Uh, but ashley now that we've Mm -hmm. watched it and we do have a extensive backstory of 48 hours with it um what was one thing that you either loved or hated about it all right um so I hated, Uh-oh. but it's, there's more to it. So I hated the acting period, but <laughs> yeah. mainly the main part that I hated about the acting was the tears scenes, like the crying scenes. So the camera would just like pan away, no tears, no nothing. And then it pan back like a second later and they'd just be like flooded with tears. I was like, does you're, someone just take like a thing and just like spray on their, you know, like eye drops? It just is terrible. It was you're awful. You're saying Charlie Sheen maybe didn't have the, the emotional range to conjure up real tears. I mean, it was his first debut movie, so maybe yeah, he's just he, figuring it out. He's pretty green. I mean, it, it almost works in the characters. I mean, theoretically, it could work in their advantage because they're thrown into a situation where they're supposed to be kind of just like, they're way older than the high school age kids that they're playing, typical mm-hmm. 80s fashion. Um, but they're also just like, rather than being really confused and kind of leaning into that emotion, like, uh, or really like one of the, I'd say the, the Robert character, uh, mm-hmm. played by C Thomas Powell, he's the one that kind of amps it up. I would have preferred all of them amp it up versus act super subdued. Right. Um, and just cry the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, for me, the coolest part of the movie was in your summary and on the poster and (laughs) it (laughs) happens within the first uh, 
couple minutes of the movie, it's when the kids are in school, they're getting um, what I'm sure is like uh, a history lesson that parallels what's gonna gonna happen, but I wasn't listening closely enough to make that parallel. What's cool is that the professor, um, you know, the kids are facing him and he's facing the windows. So he just like is still giving his little spiel, but while walking to the windows, cause he starts to see uh, these things appear in the air. And it quickly turns from like, oh, these, he, I think he says something like, that, it looks like they landed pretty far off their trajectory. Like he's just mm -hmm. chill no about idea. it and confused about it. The kids, everyone kind of huddles around the window and he goes outside uh, to see what's up. And then this happens. Uh, and he just reads like what's happening my friend and just like well yeah so a firefight breaks out he gets mowed down mm -hmm. <sighs> i think we got our first trope alert oh derek can you hit it one more time because this is a double trope alert Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> um trope number one black dude black dude dies first um you know common in in horror movies and even in uh gremlins like you've got this sort of teacher character who um really is just there to give a little exposition and then uh be fodder for uh, in this case the cuban soldiers and um so that's he doesn't he dies pretty unceremoniously and then the second trope that happens right after that which is probably the most pg-13 borderline r moment of the movie is when villains are willing to hurt a child. So mm -hmm. typically it's like, that's where people draw the line. And that's maybe where the MPA, MPAA ratings board would draw the line. But you see the, the soldiers just open fire on those windows where the kids were gathered around to see what was going on. And then I had to rewatch, I rewatched like a clip or something of the movie. And cause I almost didn't remember that one, wouldn't they show the kids, uh, running out of the classroom from mm -hmm. inside and then they show one kid still like slumped over the window and then they cut to an out an exterior shot and you can see the bullet wounds in the 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 it's very disturbing and yeah, so when i say it was uh one thing i loved obviously i mean it was the most striking kind of cinematic moment of the movie in my opinion there was mm -hmm. not a ton of great filmmaking and cinematography on display but this was just such a haunting uh, scene with the the red paratroopers uh, landing and then obviously the the firefight so mm -hmm. sets the tone pretty dramatically and then uh, the movie maybe loses a little steam after that um, Derek did you have anything you wanted to highlight um yeah I, I loved uh, drinking the deer blood heck yeah <laughs> why don't we um why don't we segue into choose your character pew 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 so this is where we walk into an arcade 1984 and we see the red dawn console we uh it's a light gun game so it's it's um a lot of shooting and um you know we're playing as the the child characters from the movie that's why um i cut you off there derek because your character robert 
is um, the one who quickly gets immersed into adulthood uh, once they have to evacuate or they escape town and hide out and camp in the mountains. Um, so what did you like about the Robert character? Or, you know, it doesn't have to mean you have things in common with him, but you're picking him. Why? Uh, he's just bloodthirsty after his father dies and he just does not give a shit and just, uh, yeah, he's brutal. Yeah. Well, he's an interesting character because like I said, the Charlie Sheen character and I mean, maybe the, the female characters, which we might talk about in a minute, um, take a more active role, but like Robert is the one who represents like what war can, what emotional effect war can have uh, on your mental state. He quickly transitions from innocent high school boy to bloodthirsty uh, killer when he like has a literal rite of passage and that's drinking the the deer blood, um, which is actually well, another trope. Oh. So <laughs> a real man is a killer. That is basically the summary oh. of Derek's character. Yeah. Nice. I was <laughs> Actually, also gonna, gonna say I was just gonna say that the reason he <clears throat> becomes more of like a killer is they kill his dad at the beginning of the movie. So his dad dies and that kind of triggers everything else in him to change. Well, in, in this kind of like post-apocalyptic scenario, it it would make sense to be as brutal as he turned out to be if you wanted to survive. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally um rational response i mean it goes occasionally it can be a weakness when you know he gets blinded by rage or something but that's a that's a human trait so um i think that character is is of the male characters mm-hmm. um we, we got patrick swayze in this movie charlie sheen um Hen- harry dean stanton there's some classic 80s performers mm-hmm. i don't like any of their characters that much um ashley who are, who are you going with so I'm not going with any of those characters either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to actually go on the opposition and I'm going with Colonel Ernesto Bella. So he was the Colonel for uh, the Cuban side. So the Cubans and mm-hmm. Russians work together and he was just like the most sympathetic towards the end. And he gives us like really heartwarming speech about wanting to resign and going home. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Give it to us. <clears throat> okay. I can't remember what it was to be warm. It seems a thousand years since I was a small boy in the sun. How did I come to this high, desolate place where there's nothing but loneliness? So much is lost. I want to look into your eyes and forget. It all seems so far away. A warm house where my shadow never falls. Your long black hair in my hands. There's no more revolution. Only you to come back to. I will post my resignation. So he sends that letter. And then probably like 20 minutes later in the movie, he sees um, Patrick Swayze carrying Charlie Sheen, their brothers. And they're both, they've both been shot. And he has the opportunity to kill them and like finish them off. And he just like lets them go. So mm. I don't know. I don't need the, I don't need t- the eyedroppers. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, well, what's this movie like has some flaws. I mean, with the perform, like we said, that some of the characters are really bland, but mm-hmm. um, on the adult side of things, and then especially on the opposition side of things, it's really interesting that they make, one of the main leaders of the of the uh, enemy forces sympathetic they have an unsympathetic like russian uh yeah general that's kind of in charge of everything yeah Mm -hmm. um so that was a very a big 80s stereotype the the evil uh russian 
Red Scare Force. And but you get this, you get that balanced out with like him having conversations with uh, your character and him being like saying that he was always on the other side of the insurgents. Mm -hmm. And so he really I mean, he actually almost loses his position in <laughs> yeah. uh, in the forces because he's the, the Russian character is annoyed by how sympathetic he is. Yeah, well, the Russian colonel in real life was a Russian intercept interrogator for the CIA. Mm. So, I mean, he gives um, a good performance. Yeah, well, that's what. And so Charlie Sheen was giving an interview about it and just said that um, he's like, he was terrifying. He's like, I don't know if he was in character the whole time, but you couldn't talk to him on set. You usually kept your distance away. He's like, but it worked in the movie because he's brilliant. Like he actually was pretty, he was good in the film in comparison to other actors, I thought. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, he was more like that was a limited amount of screen time and he only had to play kind of like a one note character, but mm -hmm. he was the perfect person to do that. It sounds like. Um, yeah, mine's going to be really short and sweet because all the remaining characters are pretty generic. I mean, what's kind of interesting is that about uh, a third of the way through the movie, uh, the Wolverines, as as they're called, the come back from the the woods and and see what's going on in town. Somehow they're able to just kind of like walk around town, and supposedly everyone's looking for them, but nobody but no really, really hassles them at all. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's there's that, but then they go to this one guy's house who's just like also safe, but he has his two. What what are the two girls' relation to him? Nieces or something? I honestly don't know. Yeah, well, he's, I have he's no harboring idea. he's harboring these two young girls who were being um, hassled, to say the least, by the the soldiers, mm -hmm. and so they join up with the the male Wolverine characters. And what's interesting is that Jennifer Grey is in this movie with Patrick Swayze like three years before yeah. Dirty Dancing, so they don't really have any. <laughs> chemistry or like shared scenes really well they didn't even or, like each other during this movie actually i mean until the very end when she dies right it's the only scene that they liked each other and yeah i mean i'm i'm picking her for historical reasons not for anything she did in this movie and i think it's cool that the female characters are much more um like uh active than some of the male characters so that's uh, they both deserve uh, a shout out there uh, Leah Thompson is the other one, but you know, they, they don't get, they're not given a ton to do. So, mm -hmm. um, let's move on to our next segment, new release radio. Ooh, nice. So new release radio in our 84 on your dials is a radio program where we give you a taste of what was going on this week back in 1984. It's a radio show within a podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> you just heard the number 10 song on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. It actually skyrocketed seven spots up the list. And uh, for the week of August 10th, 1984, Ashley, what was the name of that song? What do, you, what do you think it was called? I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> By Corey Hart. Yeah. I mean, that song like had a resurgence, I feel like in the last few years or maybe just 80s stuff in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I went my whole 90s childhood, maybe early 2000s without really hearing that specific 80s song. And then more recently, last 10 years or so, I started hearing it more. 
Um, we got our last Olympics update this week. They have officially wrapped up and congrats to the United States for winning the most medals. Not unusual, but um, mm-hmm. uh, shout out nonetheless. What is interesting uh, because of the movie we watched is that our fiercest competitor, Russia, was not there. So the one, yeah, should I do the one accent I can do? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yes, let's hear do you it. do, let's hear please. you do your, your perfect Russian accent, please. So Russia was boycotting uh, the 1984 Summer Olympics. Okay. Okay. That's I'm not, losing it. The, okay. That's something. Um, it's something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they organized a boycott because we had gotten like a hundred plus countries to organize a boycott four years previously. I think Russia was able to manage like 14 other countries to join their boycott. So um, I'm not even sure if the, the 1980 Olympics were kind of like just completely hollow because of so many, so many people boycotting it. But it does make our victory in 1984 a little less uh, substantive because they weren't there. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And we'll be uh, probably focusing on we got a presidential election in 1984 coming up so we'll see what what uh news we're going to highlight going forward on nr84 for now we've got a look at the weekend box office so guess what is that number one Mm, ghostbusters made a comeback (laughs) ghostbusters is still going strong at number two (laughs) purple rain at number three nerds at number four but the movie we just watched, Red Dawn, did manage number huh. one at the box office. So it was, uh, it made eight million. Um, it was like released in a lot of theaters, so I think they had high expectations for it, and it went on to make um, thirty-eight million. So its budget was about the same as Conan, seventeen million, mm-hmm. and so it was a financial. Um, a mild financial success, I, I would say. And on the cult rating status, uh, I'm not sure if it really, you know, it was, an, you know, I, it, what it takes to warrant a remake these days is <laughs> doesn't require <laughs> not much, much. Cult, cult status, <laughs> but any kind of name recognition is mm-hmm. probably enough. Ashley, uh, on the flip side of things, how was it received critically at the time? Um, mixed reviews, like a mixed bag for sure. I think it got around like a 46 or 50% loved and hated. So, but I will give you a couple of reviews and then you guys get to pick which one I wrote. Ooh, yeah. Let's play the game. Two truths and all, well, two reviews and a peasant review. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Two critical reviews, a peasant. Um, okay. So controversial, bloody 1980s World War III film with teen heroes. That's one review. That's a review. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded like a summary. I mean, the controversial part, well, I guess, puts some kind of uh, spin, yeah, spin on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was excited for this movie until I watched it. Okay. It rings a little uh, yeah. peasanty, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, Charlie Sheen's debut, dot, dot, dot. That's unfortunate. Love it. Ooh. I hope you wrote that one. This is tough. Did you write I that? Hope, I hope that she wrote the last one, but I'm calling yeah. the second one. I'm going to vote number two. So I wrote two and three. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nice. You threw nice. us another curveball. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you, you crushed it with the third one. I mean, yeah. 
Charlie Sheen never needed to have a debut, never needed to have a like TV show on the air for 20 years. Right. He had one. <laughs> maybe one day we'll do a, a retrospective. But have you ever seen that movie where he like holds a woman hostage? Uh, he uh, with a Snickers bar or he like holds what? up a store. Oh, she thinks it's a gun. The, I think the store owner thinks it's a gun. And then he has he takes a hostage um, and and like it's this it's turns into this romance they're on the run it's called like the ride or something no it sounds terrible that's the one movie of his that <laughs> that that i like um so well according to our instagram followers i did a charlie sheen visit for versus patrick swayze mm-hmm. and um charlie sheen did not win <laughs> it was 100 percent to zero at one point no yeah well it switched to 85 <laughs> percent swayze so not that many charlie sheen lovers out there yeah i created 12 accounts to just <laughs> just skew the results. <laughs> um, so, your what was the first review again? So the first review was just controversial, controversial, bloody 1980s World War III film with teen heroes. I have another one. Um, it packs plenty of rabble-rousing ammunition, but its sloppy execution is li- unlikely to win any merit badges for marksmanship. Dang. So yeah. no, none of those are really resoundingly positive at all and the controversial part is interesting because as we mentioned this was the first pg-13 movie ever released and outside of that uh, that opening scene that i described well that opening scene and then there's some uh firing squad scenes where they just Mm -hmm. line people up and shoot them and they're seeing like america the beautiful or something it's so sad well i mean it's it's heavy but Mm -hmm. like and it's definitely not PG, but it's also not gory. So I mean, it's not like a Tarantino war movie or something. It's not. It's not overly bloody. It's just kind of like, I think it was the emotional stakes that made it uh, really more of an adult movie versus like, it didn't. Were you saying that it needed to that it was potentially on the borderline for R, Ashley? Uh, yeah, because of the excessive violence in it, but it didn't quite make it there. Ooh, should we do over under on number Ooh, of deaths? Yeah. Okay. Kill count. What do you guys think? Derek? You guys, I, I, I was texting you guys this all yesterday when we watched it. Uh, 130, so you know, 130 easy. That's your guess. That's your guess? Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah. I, okay. I didn't look it up. I didn't look it up. Okay. okay. I'm going to say 261. Oh, damn. Drew, you're, tra- you're pulling a Derek. <laughs> oh, I thought I looked uh, it up and I was trying to cheat. Oh, well, you failed. Um, so the kill count was 118. Okay. So that's pretty wow. close, Derek. Good job, and then, Derek. And then who do you think um, killed the most people? Derek's character. No, because I thought that too. Swayze. Well, it was, oh, of the, of the Wolverines, not of yeah. the, the evil forces. Yeah, of the Wolverines. Swayze had 15 kills and Robert had 10. Uh, oh. Robert's gun stock. But his gun had like 25. Like, I know, yeah. I know. But they had this whole kill count document and that's what it said. Where did he get that gun from though? Maybe it was already... Ooh, maybe he was adding to like his father's collection. Maybe his father <laughs> was a serial killer or something. A real man is a killer. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like father, like son. Um, <laughs> the deer blood drinking was was pretty awesome because he like... Mm-hmm. he. He drinks it. It it um, dribbles down. Not it more than dribbles down his face. It kind of like covers his whole mouth and, and face. And he like you think he's gonna throw up or something, but he actually kind of like has this calm moment it. of yeah, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> it's like this well because you're like he's like this isn't bad this isn't bad it's, right it's not bad and you're like is he gonna vomit and then he's like oh and you're like oh he likes it it's cool. disturbing maybe that's yeah. another see that's the kind of pg-13 action i crave mm -hmm. yeah um, just like awkward and scary and more uncomfortable yeah. sweaty <laughs> um <laughs> On on a similar note, we watched uh, so far this just this year alone. We've watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins, and then before that, Jaws was kind of the first thing that really raised an eyebrow at the MPAA. Like they didn't want to make you know basically everything Spielberg did was associated with in the in the late seventies and early eighties was like really pushing the boundaries um, of what's a kids movie versus like especially when you put kids, I think one of the key uh, criteria for the rating system is when you put kids in violent or dangerous mm -hmm. situations, like showing kids violence towards kids is disturbing to kids. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. figure. Makes sense. Weird. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think this movie appropriately kicked things, kicked the PG-13 era off. Mm -hmm. um, there was, a, other... scene, there was yeah. a scene deleted from the movie because of, um, events are happening at the same time. I don't know if you read about this, but no. so there, the original trailer for the film includes a scene of a tank rolling up to McDonald's, mm. um, where Henry soldiers were like eating, but it was about to be like a huge firefight at McDonald's and they decided not to have it because of the McDonald's massacre that happened that year. Did you, did you, did you hear about Dude, this at all? But remember the trivia from the from gremlins? Yeah. Uh, they were I know have it's Gremlins all McDonald's shouting down on people at McDonald's. Um, I know, but this one, um, cause it came out on July 18th and 84, a 41 year old man shot up a McDonald's and killed 21 people and injured 19. So they're like, we're going to take that out of the movie in the trailer. I think I did. Yeah. That should, we should have covered that on new release radio. Um, because mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, I did see that, um, as a, as a headline, Yeah. but that, well, good for them. That was so Gremlins would have not had they had already decided not to go that dark but this movie would have included that scene that's good mm -hmm. good uh good, call. <laughs> good edit yeah they were yep. some bad edits uh to the end of the movie did you read about that i didn't what happened <laughs> wow i was really setting you up for <laughs> sorry <laughs> for success <laughs> yeah. um, the studio so you know how the movie the movie ends um in an interesting way in my opinion with the triple art Ah. Eric, you need to like an actual physical button so it's just like i know i right I, I, can ease, I can easily do that i just need another dongle yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> you need an eagle dongle um <laughs> so the hero um the hero dies is an interesting trope think thelma and louise where especially at the end of a movie you are so conditioned to think the heroes are going to survive. Um, but Ashley kind of described the scene uh, that leads right into that speech that the Cuban, the character gives where Swayze and his brother, Charlie Sheen are like in a firefight. Um, Charlie Sheen gets shot and then Swayze is, you know, sneaking up on the person that shot him, but rather than just shooting him, he um <laughs> he so like says hey turn around <laughs> and so then they shoot each other and everyone dies yeah um, but what's interesting is um for the trivia is that the studio was not happy with it ending there even though it could have totally gone out on the speech like mm -hmm. instead they wanted this epilogue where they go back to that like rock and 
there's voiceover with one of the female characters trying to give this like upbeat speech about how America's turning things around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so like out of place because the movie does not end in a happy place. And even if America was turning things around, like uh, in the years following these events, it would be so like so many people are dead. So debilitating like the whole economy would be in shambles it's just like this movie did not need a happy ending or like a lukewarm (laughs) ending so that was lame interference on the studio's part um was there anything else you unearthed in your research sessions yeah so Swayze um so they filmed in Las Vegas New Mexico and Colorado and um in around like november like really cold times and mm. he got frostbite so bad on his hands his toes that now if everything gets any of those extremities get cold it feels like that someone's shoving toothpicks underneath his fingernails and toenails because he still has like frostbite remnants <laughs> worth funny, it funny story <laughs> i recently shoved a push pin up my under my oh, fingernail <laughs> that's like my oh that's like a horror movie yeah you know i have the skylight in my uh, apartment in oh. my 2020 apartment i have to uh, pin up a curtain to when i want to watch movies and i've done it thousands of times and finally this one time i just like rushed it and when i was pushing the push pin and holding the curtain i pushed it right through that the just curtain in my yeah but could be worse i could have frostbite so that's true. I did um, lose feeling in my extremities uh, last week for a day and a half, which was weird. <laughs> but enough about me. Anyway, <laughs> um, he just has bad circulation, tall and lanky. Yeah. Um, let's see. So they went, the cast underwent eight weeks of military training before filming. Which you, wouldn't, show. which you wouldn't be able to tell because they were pointing guns like at the ground. So I don't really know. How, what they did but one of the um cast members was quoted saying i learned things i shouldn't know i know how to make bombs out of household goods <laughs> so that seemed unnecessary to know for the movie but was the uh, blood was the deer blood real i don't know i doubt it well one thing this is a a trope within a trope so i don't know if we need a sound but there's a truth in television trope where um they actually show something really extreme that is based on real life things and i did read that actual deer hunters it's an old tradition for them mm-hmm. to drink the blood of their first deer so yeah yeah um, it doesn't say that it's real but that well then i take it back that character sucks yeah robert's the worst no, no commitment actually kill the deer in real life so we don't know that they were I, in I military training I, for eight weeks maybe they did i didn't see a like I know animals were harmed during the making of this at the at the end. Although I cut it off the second it ended, so I wouldn't have. Uh, yeah. Um, um, the director also tried volunteering for the military service during the Vietnam War, but was rejected because he has asthma. Mm. Um, so that was like one of the reasons why he's like, I miss going to war. So probably caused me to be obsessed with like the war ever since. He also wrote. Um, it was a screenwriter for Apocalypse Now. John Milius. Uh huh. Wasn't Charlie Sheen in that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Martin Sheen. Sorry. A Sheen. Oh, was. Mar- yeah. uh, Sh- a Mar- Sheen. Martin a Sheen, Sheen yeah. is, yeah, is um, one of the main characters in that. Much better actor. Infinitely better. <laughs> <laughs> Emilio, we already know how I feel Emilio about Emilio Estevez, but I'll take him all day. Um, there's a good, a good Over future Sheen? IG poll if we ever want to do like a bracket. Um, oh yeah if shitty we could, actors we can well no they don't have to be shitty they can be good <laughs> ones too <laughs> um, so 
uh, got anything else for us? Nope, that is it. But let's move on to our favorite segment, Rank the Blank. <laughs> I will kill you. This is Sparta! You can't fight the temptation when you get the vibration. It won't do you no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So each week we pick a topic that's inspired by the movie we watched and each get to pick two submissions and then we rank them. So this week we're doing best movie ever when you're 13. So I think we've had a variety uh, amongst ourselves of different interpretations of this. Some of us went with movies that we actually saw when we were 13 or, but it could also just be something that, in hindsight is like the ultimate 13 year old movie, like something that would appeal to those sensibilities um, particularly. So Red Dawn being the first PG-13 movie ever um, is included in the list. I think it, it does count. Be, I mean, it, it does warrant uh, submission because the teens are like thrust into this like, you know, kids grow up playing uh army soldiers playing with our you know cowboys and wait it's cowboys and indians which yep. is, is not a cool game anymore army but, soldier and army soldier um yeah <laughs> army on army um, so there's all, already this kind of role playing and this movie lives out that that fantasy um and show and hopefully you know shows why it's actually not <laughs> anything to to really glamorize but Nonetheless, it does throw teens, um, supposed teens, into a kind of like fantastical situation. So you could see a see it as a teenager and find some appeal there. Ashley, what was um what was one of your choices? All right, so this one, there's a couple, there's a lot of reasons why I chose this one. Um, first of all, Brad Pitt's shirtless, like most of the movie, mm -hmm. he's very attractive. So 13 year old me was pretty happy with that uh, <laughs> in case in case somebody doesn't know what, what's the name of the movie i'm not going to name it until the end of my description okay perfect um, and then edward norton was also one of my favorite actors at the time and it was uh based off a book by chuck polynewick and i read all of his books like right after this so that was yeah. another reason and i don't know if you knew this but we used to play stick wars at ryan hargan's house so we'd all go to like opposite sides of the hill and we throw sticks at each other and so that was like the closest thing to Fight Club. <laughs> so Oh, it's also like sort of war war yeah. simulation as well. So exactly. War, and I wasn't really yeah. a fighter, but I, we threw sticks at each other. So Fight Club is what I pick. There were BB gun wars um in our neighborhood as well. Ooh. I tried to I tried to abstain from that. And paint paintball. Do you remember playing Assassinate the President? And I was a president with a motorcycle helmet in the woods and you guys shot me in the head. <laughs> We had really very fun. <laughs> we invented we invented a whole elaborate plot story just so we could line <laughs> to shoot at actually. Up. Clearly, I was a tomboy and everyone picked on me. It's fine. Yeah, you had well, <laughs> like obviously you had a brother, me, and then um, one of your uh, my best friends and your best childhood friends uh, mm -hmm. were the Green Boys. Brothers, um, yeah. So, anyway, fight um, club. <laughs> yeah, Fight Club of course like that is that what i thought um why i thought this was an interesting choice is because of the psychological component so this is one of the it's it's a movie you know we don't even have to spoil the twist per se mm -hmm. but like it's one of those movies when you see younger and you're like we'll talk about another one that just like blows your mind but like this is the ultimate example of like holy shit i didn't see that coming and like yeah it's just like you haven't seen enough movies at that age to like be expecting a twist 
Um, and this one had like one of the all-time twists. But let's um let's hear a little snippet. Motherfucker! <laughs> Hit me in the ear! Well, Jesus, I'm sorry. Ow! Christ! By the ear, man! Oh, I fucked it up. Kind of. Oh, that was perfect. Oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, perfect. <laughs> that almost makes it that that reminds like Palinuk's writing has got a lot of dark humor mm-hmm. as well. So that that scene captures that. And um that brings us to our next choice. Derek, you picked this one, right? I sure did. The Matrix. Ah. Heard of it? Watched it. It's in it. All Yep. <laughs> Why did you choose it? Uh, just this concept of an alternate reality was was extremely mind blowing. Yeah, it has both the like iconic action scenes, which mm-hmm. people like to point out were maybe you know used in other movies before, but the slow mo bullet time effect, Matrix. Like that was the first time a lot of people had seen that. The like training sequence with Neo, where he can just be like downloaded all these moves is just like awesome as a 13 year old um this came out in 99 so i would have been like 15 uh, because i was born in 1984 um what? and i remember <laughs> um going to the theater with with ryan green probably a, a big group maybe ashley did you go to that i don't remember i don't us? remember yeah but i mean i came out of this movie like we just didn't go to the theater a ton in this movie it was like all anybody wanted to talk about and and it was really mind-blowing at the at the time um and now like because of the sequels and because of you know just getting older the con and being exposed to the concepts on de- something like uh, ex machina or you know all these sci-fi mm-hmm. movies to come um doesn't it's a good choice for this category because it may be like doesn't hold up quite as much as an adult as it would at 13, but it's still an awesome movie. For my first choice, I'm going to nominate Starship Troopers uh, from 1997. This is a war satire, so fits in nicely with Red Dawn, but completely different tone. So um, I just watched this, uh, rewatched this the other night, and it holds up really well, really, really well. And but like the difference between watching it. Uh, now versus watching it i saw this somehow is in theaters as a 13 year old and this was not pg-13 this was a hard r as they say i went with jeffrey hummel um and i'm not even sure how i got in yeah (laughs) i didn't like sneak in or anything i just bought a ticket just let you in yeah no but i distinctly remember seeing it in theaters because there it has nudity it has a a shower scene with both men and uh, naked women um it's got like extreme gore because they're exploding um, they're fighting giant bugs and the bugs are filled with um this yellow goo (laughs) so um neil patrick harris is in it and he like um is plays a brainiac go figure and Mm -hmm. like there's these memorable scenes where he'll be they do these like news cutaways or these promotional videos and it'll it'll do like it'll put a censored thing up, which almost exaggerates the violence. Like it shows you that there's all this stuff like exploding and guts flying out behind <laughs> the censored box. And that was just like at 13, I was like, wow, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, 
I definitely did not get like all the Nazi fascism parallels and stuff as a kid. I was probably like, sign me up <laughs> for, <laughs> I'm for in. the Starfleet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my uh, first choice. And then my second choice would be Leprechaun from 1993, which I did not see um, as a 13 year old. I definitely saw it a little younger than that when I was first being immersed in horror films by our grandmother Boots. Um, yep. <laughs> did you watch this um, when you were younger as well? I did. I watched it when we went on vacation together and then I had nightmares the entire trip. But like the leprechaun was like running around my bed and I couldn't see him. It's, <laughs> it's a scary. It's a step up from like if I saw Gremlins when I was, you know, six or something. And then I saw this when I was 10 and you would have been seven or eight. Like. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's another R-rated movie. It's the gremlin, I mean the gremlin, the leprechaun uh, creature that they, the puppet that they create is super scary. There's definitely some gore and stuff in the movie. Um, Like I know at one point somebody like eats one of the coins and he has to like. Dig it out of him. Yep. Doesn't he like use like a spatula or some type of like kitchen utensil and like digs in his belly? I kind of, I remember dad like putting his hands over my eyes and being like, okay, you can't watch these scenes. And I'd like peek through the cracks and like watch them all. And it was so scary. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, uh, and it's also the debut of a pretty famous actress. So let's hear a little clip of that. All right. I'm going to add this in. I've, I also saw this as a kid and this helped me get over my Chucky nightmares. This, this movie was not scary to me at all. Well, yeah, that's interesting. If you're like using it as a palate cleanser for child's play, <laughs> it might be a little bit less. Uh, it's a another small uh, evil creature, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for whatever reason, you were cool with it. Oh. Uh, is that me gold? What the hell are you? <laughs> I'm a leprechaun, me dear. Here, this is what the you're boys. looking for, right? Ah, the powers are returning. <laughs> so scary. <laughs> it it's even the first one. Like they went um, to the intentionally campy end of the spectrum with the franchise as it went on, and you could like see that dialogue and the way the leprechaun talks is goofy. But mm-hmm. at a young enough age, how old would were you when you watched this in Child's Play, Derek? Uh, Child's Play, I was probably the age that uh whatever year this leprechaun came out i was probably like six or seven so i, I think i saw this at like 10. okay yeah i had, I'm just... I had nightmares for years after watching chucky it was it was fucked up <laughs> yeah i'm just surprised that this you you were either older or like i don't i don't know which one i would have uh, i didn't see child's play uh, at that age so this seems equally scary and it is like it doesn't hold back on the 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 R-rated stuff, um, mm-hmm. but the last point I wanted to make about Leprechaun and why I think it's a good a good choice for this category is that if you're young and you see a movie like that and you like you can brag to your friends about it, like that you got to see something that you shouldn't have seen and it just gives you like street cred. So, like, have you <laughs> watched all it? About... Like, oh, your parents don't let you. <laughs> yeah, like if you're the kid that gets to see horror movies, which that's not that wasn't my identity, but I would have wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> Ashley, what's uh, what's your next choice? Sure. So my next choice is Bring It On. Um, so growing up as like a really awkward, like lanky teenager, still kind of b- both of those things. My, <laughs> two out of three of those things. Um, I really wanted to be a cheerleader, but I didn't feel like cool enough to join like that group. 
So this is kind of my way to like get away and watch it and be like the outsider, but think she makes it into the cheerleading squad and, you know. So you identified with the Elijah Dushku uh, yep. character? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's their, and, what's their chant? Uh, there's a lot of Burr, them. It's cold, it's cold in, in here. here. There yeah, must be some toes in the atmosphere. I said burr. I didn't do a very yeah. good burr the first time. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Yeah, so thirteen-year-old me like really re- related with this movie, so that's why. Yeah, I, chose it. I almost chose it last week. What was our what was our category last week? Um, oh, most talented. So I tried to like shoehorn it into because um, mm, because yeah. there's the cool scene where car washing scene. You mean? Huh? The car mm-hmm. washing scene? No. Shut up. <laughs> Not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's the scene where um, Dushku's character with her like braids um comes and she has like i think it's a fake tattoo because she wipes it off but anyway she comes to like audition to be a cheerleader um and kirsten dunst's character is is like the leader of the the cheerocracy and um dushku just like eviscerates them um yeah and she's a gymnast awesome. so she just destroys everything they yeah and of course she they need her on the team because she has special flipping skills yep <laughs> So that we've got that gives us one choice left, and it's Derek's. What's it gonna be? Big Daddy. Big Daddy Derek <laughs> strikes again. <laughs> Adam Sandler in New York City with a little kid. This is favorite. The, huh? Oh, sorry. Yeah, go for it. It is aside from Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. This was another movie that kind of glamorized uh, New York City for me, and then. Uh, the apartment that Adam Sandler had was is something that I've always wanted ever since I saw it. That cool warehouse with like mm-hmm. a yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Just watch the movie. Well, it's a it's like a, a New York loft that could only exist in a movie, and because he's sort of doesn't have a lot of money, he's like fighting for shared custody, or it does I can't even remember the premise. But anyway, he's not rich. Um, another McDonald's seen in this movie but <laughs> we're not sponsored <laughs> by uh big mac big but daddy mac. biscuits are so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey how you doing hi welcome to mcdonald's what can i get for you okay what do you want cheerios cheerios they don't got cheerios what else oh lasagna lasagna what the hell's the matter with you we'll take uh hot cakes and sausage uh, sorry sir we stopped serving breakfast what are you talking about? We're four seconds late. No, you're 30 minutes and four seconds late. We stopped Fine. serving breakfast at 10.30. Ah, horse shit! Yeah, so that, that you can hear, like, the cuteness of the kid. This has the um, scene where they pee on the wall. Do they, like, draw something with their yeah, pee? Yeah, I think they spell their names. That's how yeah, he gets them fun. To, like, the kid to pee. Do you know, who, you know who the kid actor is, too, Drew, right? Um, Emilio Estevez. It's Cole Sprouse from Riverdale. <laughs> no, no, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, Jughead. Yeah, it's Jughead. No I could have sworn you guys would know that. Well, how I haven't even—I mean, I haven't seen this happens all the time. Like, I haven't seen Big Daddy since I started watching Riverdale, so I, my brain doesn't like retroactively fill in. <laughs> well, and Jughead kids, has like, uh, has brown hair. This kid has like super blonde. Hair. Yeah, him and his brother both have blonde hair as their kids for like sweet sweet life of Zach and Cody, and then they both have brown hair like, growing up, like older. Wow. So yeah, it's Cole Sprouse. Jughead. Right. Well, you win. Trivia. Yeah, I was I was going to well, I was going to say my movie obviously wins then automatically. <laughs> let's let's start ranking. Red Dawn dead last. Yeah. Agreed. We all in agreement there. Okay. Yeah. Um 
I like working from back to front. So what else is towards the towards the bottom? Okay. Well, is that funny? Just, I don't know. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> top to from bottom to top. Is that better? Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Never mind. I won't. It's fine. Um, I'm gonna put leprechaun towards the bottom. I thought I made a pretty compelling case, but or I or starship troopers. I guess it's because it's your picks, so they're not really. Yeah, your picks resonate with me. Yeah, well, your picks are the worst. <laughs> I disagree, but remember, um, th this was a very personal topic. So we're picking movies that were personal to us at that age, but it doesn't have to be. It can just be like, if we're objectively looking at what 13 year olds would like, um, you know, I think we have male and female perspective covered. Honestly, I think bring it on. I mean, you made a, a case, but I don't know that that was like. Well, I would drop that anything. definitely below um because that just like goes with all like the rom-coms and the that's yeah fine. okay so leprechaun and bring it on um and red dawn towards the end it was <laughs> all right leprechaun yeah. bring it on red dawn <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are our i don't know big daddy it doesn't really it's it doesn't it just reminded me of like why i loved new york before i went there a bunch of times and then fell out of love with it but yeah so that's okay. towards the bottom too. Yeah, so yeah. Let's, that's towards the bottom as well. I think we have a clear top two that are jostling for that top spot. Fight Club. So Fight Club and Matrix. What do we think? Shirtless Brad Pitt and the Pixie. Or wait, was it the Pixies? Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. I would say Starship the Matrix. Troop. What? Oh. I think we've got Fight Club, Matrix, and Starship Troopers in top three, right? Yeah, yeah. but we need, to, we need to actually assign a number. So... I think Matrix number one over Fight Club because that just that mm. had like the action. It had the psych. It was much more like intellectual. I mean, they're the both Fight Club. Yeah, I, I don't think I mean, so. I, I think Fight Club was more of a gimmicky twist, whereas the Matrix was dealing with like what seemed like the most like complicated um, uh, scientific debates mm. at the time. Fine, but I thought um, I don't know. I'm the still nature going for Fight of Club. the nature of all existence, like is this a simulation that's still relevant today? And it was just like the Fight Club. What Fight Club was a gimmick, like. Well, Derek, Fight Club's just a like a mental, you know, or like a, a mental juggernaut. It's sweet. It's a it's, yeah. I don't know. I I think well, the based off of how Drew's describing it, uh, he was born in '84. Fine. He knows the most out of all of us because is that how that older. works? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Fine. Matrix one, Fight Club two. Yeah. I Starship yes. three. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then I'm gonna say Leprechaun four. Fine. Yeah. You can say yeah. whatever four if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bring It On should be above Leprechaun. Ooh, I agree. Thank you, Derek. Okay. Bring It On four, Leprechaun five, my favorite number. So fine. Um, Big Daddy Derek at six and Red Dawn at number seven. We did it. Yep. We did we, it. Um, we sent out an Instagram poll, uh, not with these specific choices, to just see what people's favorite movie was at 13. And what were the results, actually? Sure. So um, the number one was not on our list. <laughs> Any guesses? Um, okay. I'll give you a hint. It did come American out the year. American Pie? It came out in 87 or came out in 99. Oh, that's not 87 at all. I know. Shawshank I was thinking of the air um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, number one. That's a good and one. Then, yeah, that's a good one. And then it was um, followed by Fight Club and Clueless for a tie. Ooh, cool. Well, nice. if 
Fight Club was was referenced, then that is is more points for there. But still, at number two. <laughs> but damn it. <laughs> maybe you should have brought that up sooner after the ratings weren't uh, set in stone. That's okay. So. It's fine. I don't mind getting second. Cool. Well, that's those are some good interest. I mean, it's interesting that you did cheat because you put like pictures from some of the movies in there. And right. Fight Club was one of the ones that you put on there. So, but intending to hate about you is also one of them. Yeah. But I suppose it took like nine movies. I tried my best. All right. Well, let's um start to wrap things up with our awards. Uh, did this movie win any Saturn awards? No. Okay. <laughs> it was nominated. <laughs> For a young artist award, but didn't win. So who was nominated? Brad Savage and I don't. Even, he was um the the kid that was like didn't really kill anyone, and, like cried the whole time. He, did he have like the wider nose? Yeah, he looked so like. Not, I meant to look him up. Is he? Was he? He did a, not age very well, unfortunately. He in, um, oh god, I'm blanking on the movie. Uh, the Fred Savage. Wait, that what? What's his name? The, Brad the fr- Savage. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is just a coincidence. No. I, does Fred Savage's brother, Brad Savage, play in that uh, in Wonder Years with him? Uh, Are they brothers? Because he reminded me. I know. No. I guess it's Kevin Arnold that I'm thinking of. Like it's just something about that nose. I recognized that nose. Oh yeah, um, they're not related. Okay. Well, this is an unnecessary tangent. What's um. Did you have any Ashley awards for us? Uh, my Ashley award is don't aim your gun at the ground award. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's catchy. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a ring to it. I know. Well, you brought that up earlier. What, what do you, what, what are you referencing exactly? So, um, a lot of them went to shoot the guns at their, at the enemies and they were, I don't know if you even noticed it, but a lot of times they were aiming it like just towards the ground and not like shooting at anything or making it look like they're going to shoot anything. Mm. it's like they're holding it like daintily and just like it was like aimed at the ground or aimed like too high up or just like didn't level with like what they were shooting at well at what point in the movie were they supposed to be like good at it like i guess once they're setting up uh once they're doing the little like guerrilla um warfare mm-hmm. tactics and setting up traps and stuff at that point they're supposed to be they were good at um throwing grenades into, into the open tanks. into the open tanks yeah, so, really good at it from like 50 feet away. Yeah, they would do oh, these little hook awesome. shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the more memorable actual fighting scenes in the movie is where there's like this tank battle in there hiding mm-hmm. um, behind a uh, a mound of some sort in the mountains. It's a beautiful, like, uh, beautiful shot. It's this wide shot of like two warring tanks, but they're like wedged under one of the the enemy tanks. And that's when a couple of the main characters get killed um in that in that tank battle so yeah and even um a little trivia i forgot to mention but charlie sheen didn't even like this movie and he noticed it was like more like a comic book like he was um caught interviewing saying yeah it's more like a comic book and i wish john milius had paid more attention to the actors and like their acting than the tanks themselves (laughs) Hmm. so at least he recognized it was not a great movie (laughs) i don't i mean i agree that it wasn't a great movie but i don't agree that it i mean it would have been cool if it was like uh more of a of a cheesy like kids action movie comic book style where like it's the goonies a little bit older oh yeah and they're doing like they're having fun i mean that would have like sent toy the wrong soldier message. wasn't toy soldiers kind of like that is that a kid yeah movie? i mean you yeah it would have been a delicate tone to strike without sending the wrong message kind of related to what we were talking about with kids already sort of 
uh, fan making war seem more of a fantasy than it than it should be. But mm-hmm. like this movie just wasn't fun, and maybe that's the point. But yeah, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> so on that note, on a scale of one to eighty-four, how eighties is this nineteen eighty-four release? Sure. So let's think about the cast. So Charlie Sheen, Patrick Swayze, yep. Jennifer Grey. Um, who was the older Henry De- Henry Stanton? What was his name? Henry uh, Harry De- Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Stanton. So pretty eighties actors. Um, yep. Other than I mean, that, we have this... Basil something um, as the composer. Yeah. Um, who did Conan composer. the Destroyer <laughs> or yeah. the Barbarian? The music um, wasn't that memorable of a score. No. Um, the wardrobe, maybe like at first, the the letter, the Wolverine's Letterman jackets they're wearing. And their winter coats were really cool too. Yeah. Y'all didn't answer um, my rude <laughs> comments in the theater, but like it yeah. was weird that two kids from different families had exactly matching coats. And then Swayze and some other, one of the other kids also had the same, a different set of matching coats. Well, maybe they're well, in the middle of ta- middle of nowhere, Colorado. So maybe that's like the only options they had. Did they? Well, so one of the cool scenes early on in the movie, right after um shit goes down, is they go to this little store and uh, stock up on supplies. The store has everything from Coca Cola to bows and arrows. Um, <laughs> did they just grab the jackets from there? No, they already had. Didn't actually. Maybe that makes more sense. We're gonna say they did. To okay. Make it- more logical. I'm so glad um, we figured that out. Yeah, who I know is really bothering you for a day or two. Um, yeah. so <laughs> I'm gonna say not very 80s. Um, I'm gonna go with like a just for the cast, maybe like a 56. Yeah. For context, so far, Ghostbusters at 80 is our our highest ranking um on the scale, followed by a couple 79s, but this one doesn't crack the 70s that's for sure it might not even crack the 60s um we also need to have like a running tally of what's at the bottom so we can kind of see the the range um but Mm -hmm. i would say this one's towards well the cast the cast definitely bumps it up i mean these people would go on to be in other iconic 80s stuff um but yeah i'm gonna say 55 (laughs) okay more fives (laughs) derek uh is have you have you been crunching the numbers this whole time I have been crunching the numbers. So the truck that they <laughs> use, the truck that uh, P. Swayze uses, by the Ooh. way, P. P. Swayze. Ooh, that truck is awesome. P. Swayze gets 25 points immediately for this. Or, or uh, Except he sucks in it and looks weird. Yeah. Why does he, he look, look so old? He looks he's, like an, like he's 35. And he gets he younger and better that. looking. He gets younger and better looking throughout the 80s. Yeah, agreed. So his so, hair, it's a bad haircut and a bad face. Shape. It is a bad face, but I thought he, I was excited because I was like, oh, Patrick Swayze is so attractive. And then I saw the movie and I was like, what? <laughs> Am yeah. I just, did I just think he was attractive because he could dance in that movie or? Much know. like Derek did with Leprechaun, you need to watch Dirty Dancing to wash, to, to rinse out the uh, the bad Swayze. Yeah. Oh, and the I truck can't was. I can say Swayze. I keep wanting to say I can't, Swayze. Swayze, me too. And the he, truck was a 1978 Chevy K10 Cheyenne for ooh. anyone that knows cars. Nope. <laughs> sure don't. <laughs> um, so back, all so right. back, back to my breakdown. So Peace <laughs> Lazy 25, that truck, it's uh-huh. apparently from the 70s, but I'm giving that uh, 10 points. Mm-hmm. So we're at 35. The gun and explosions, like the, mm-hmm. the real mm-hmm. effects, 25. Oh, yeah. So we're at 60. And then Charlie Sheen, point one. So we're at 60.1. <laughs> Fair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the most 
he's ever added to a performance or to any to any kind of calculation. So we're making so many enemies. Um, yeah, that's okay. Who else is on our shit list from these episodes? I guess just the Sheen family. <laughs> just the Sheen and uh, yeah. But yeah. shout out to Martin. Great, great work on the West Wing. <laughs> um, so sixty point one in a couple fifties. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on a limb and say this was one of our our least '80s '84 movies. Yeah. Uh, thus far, so we might have tipped our hand here, but where are y'all at on uh, recommending this or redoing this in a in a more interesting way? No. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> just just yeah, move just, on. Just go to something else. <laughs> Derek, what about you? You know, I really like this whole concept of you know. Uh, people just living in Colorado or just American life being yeah. you know shifted upside down and having to kind of survive it reminded me of Dawn of the Dead mm-hmm. mm. or, or or sorry uh The Walking Dead right uh, where normal people have to kind of shift their their mental capacity to start being more brutal and survivalists um I would say that they don't need to remake it uh I wouldn't re- recommend a rewatch because there are plenty of other better films like the road for instance yeah. okay i'm gonna have to do a um late trip alert oh didn't see that coming did you derek <laughs> um i didn't want to you just referenced two of the movies that i pointed out for this trope which is it's just a coincidence i think um but i love the name of this trope crap sack world so a <laughs> <laughs> crap sack world is a horrible setting where the jaded notion of anything that can go wrong will horribly horribly go wrong mm-hmm. um and i yeah the examples i was i was thinking of were the road and, and walking dead and this movie is a nice spin on either the like yeah it's a nice spin on the post-apocalyptic world it's it's believable in the sense that um if there was a large-scale military conflict at some point they would be you know the the tagline summed it up like the concept of invasion on uh, domestic soil Mm-hmm. is just you know i mean like think of how big of a deal pearl harbor was on the fringes of of the country um and that kicked off uh so much conflict and so if we were at the point where paratroopers were landing somewhere in interior in the interior of of america that would be uh pretty mind-blowing and um a definitely a good premise for a movie just the execution was lacking so yeah is that where you were going derek that like this concept could be done oh yeah the the beginning of the movie was awesome and then it kind of lost that uh Mm -hmm. that momentum that they had to to really take away take that away i guess yeah i'm not gonna have gone to mcdonald's (laughs) right every movie needs more (laughs) mcdonald's from the 80s um i'm not gonna recommend anybody watch this um i did watch the trailer for the 2012 remake which swaps out russia with north korea um and uh, so that's kind of our new big bad, although they're not very big or like they're not as threatening. I mean, nuclear weapons can make any small country threatening enough mm-hmm. uh, this day and age. But the trailer looked better than this movie. I mean, I know that movie wasn't well received and it's got um, Thor, Chris Hemsworth uh, and Josh Hutcherson from from Hunger Games in it. So it's got some of our leading men <laughs> from from the, the aughts. I bet but they play brothers. They they might be the brothers. Although there's this other guy with kind of like emo dark hair that mm-hmm. might be Hemsworth's 
Hemsworth's younger brother. Anyway, it looked polished and it looked like more, uh, well, it was just a modern action film. This movie just didn't nail the action. I mean, um, Derek was, was um, uh, disappeared for, for a minute, but we were talking about the tank battle scene. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the the only interesting action scenes in this one, I thought. Yeah. Oh, and so Josh Hutcherson plays uh, Robert, your character, Derek. Yeah. Well, okay. There you go. Yeah, this, I think this actually Derek kind of looks like Josh Hutcherson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the bread boy, the bread boy from Hunger Games. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Peta. Peta. Yeah, it? it's Peta. Wait. So does it? Has anyone ever pointed out on Twitter that the guy who works for a baker is named after bread? Peter. I'm sure they have. I'm sure it's you're not being <laughs> no, I just I just came up with it. No, no, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> that is really I'll read it on Reddit and send you the article. I never well, I had never thought about that before. So <laughs> congrats. Um lastly, so no recommendations, potential half-assed opportunity for a redo. Um, but we already that was already attempted once and, and failed. So yeah, maybe we'll just retire it. Are we going to retire this movie to our illustrious wax museum? Heck no. No. I mean, maybe we could just put a, don't, again, don't we have a room for like losers, like a Charlie Sheen, yeah. um, yes. Anti appreciation room. Charlie Sheen room. Yeah. <laughs> so just I like guess... a, a house of mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're going to have to take this model tank that has a bunch of teenagers like chucking grenades into it and spray yeah. it with Wolverines and throw it into that dark closet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking like Charlie Sheen already looks like a wax figure um, these days. <laughs> so maybe we can just hire him for the cheap for on the just cheap. Just stand there. So yeah. Just put him in a closet. See you later. <laughs> See ya. Don't uh, make any more movies. Poor, poor right. Charlie. Don't feel bad for him at all. Um, nope. That's it. That's it for um, Red Dawn. But we do have a complete change of pace in store for next week. This is a cult classic action movie, superhero movie, not really based on a comic book that I know of. Maybe we'll do some research, but anyway, let's, um, let's hear it. Space. President yeah. line one calling about is everything okay with the alien space club and planet 10 or should he just go ahead and destroy Russia? That was a lot to take. Whoa, okay. Also, Destroy Russia, by the way. Yeah. Experience the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth I'm so dimension. Excited. Rated PG. Oh my god. Check news Most 80s movie already. Which was, yes, Destroy Russia or, uh, number two. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Next week, next week, we're watching The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Yes, that's the full title. Um, <laughs> how excited are y'all for that? Really excited. I'm I'm, st- I'm stoked. Uh, yeah. You and I have we'll save for next week. Yeah, I'll be there. So if you want to hear what Derek was about to say next week, you should subscribe to the podcast by searching "New Release 1984" on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you can get podcast. That's a wrap. I mean. <laughs> Wait, did you put that in there? Yeah, did you do that? You made it so much better. Well, that does throw like a nice extra American player. Yeah, can you do one more? Yeah. Yeah.
America.